Well, thank you, worship team, and thank you, John, for reading that scripture. And if you have your Bible open, you can just leave it in John chapter 17 uh, today. And as we come to the conclusion of Live Sent, in, in your life groups this week, looking at John 17 in depth. And uh, I just wanted us to, to reflect, to just be still, and really think on those words of John chapter 17. You know, all of the scripture is rich. I think the scripture that uh, are the words of Jesus himself are especially rich. And I think there's something incredibly significant about reading a prayer of Jesus to God from the Son to the Father. So I really just want us to reflect on the things that Jesus said as we wrap up our time talking about living sent. And I want to ask this question as we think on the words of Jesus. Are we in this together? Are we in this together? Leading up to John chapter 17, Jesus is preparing the disciples for the crucifixion. He's preparing them for his ascension and his departure, and he's preparing them for the tribulations that are going to come. And John chapter 17, verse 1 says, when he spoke these words, so after he prepares them for this, he prays. And we see some things God wants for us in Jesus's prayer to the Father. We see that God wants us to see his glory. God wants us to see his glory. If you look at verse 1, it says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. This was the point of the life of Jesus. That as he was glorified, the father in heaven would be glorified. That the glory of God would be on display through the life of Jesus. That's what Jesus prays here what he had lived. Verse 2, he says, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. This is how we see the glory of God. The glory of God is on display in many ways, but the most significant way that we get to be a part of seeing the glory of God is by experiencing eternal life. That is what Jesus came to give to us and therefore, by Jesus giving us eternal life, the Father is glorified. And he says, this is eternal life, verse 3, that they know you, the only true God. He says, for people to experience eternal life, they have to know there's only one God. They have to know you, Father, the one true God. And verse 4 says, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is how people know eternal life, that there is one God and that he has sent Jesus. And so Jesus said, it says, it's to that end that I lived. Verse 4, I glorified you on earth, having, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus said, I did what you asked me to do. And by doing that, I glorified you. And then he says, verse five, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with 
the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus says, my life glorified you on earth and now glorify me in heaven with the glory that I've always had. Colossians 1 tells us that all things were made by and through and for Jesus and in him all things hold together. In John chapter 1, it tells us in the beginning was the word, that's the revelation of God and the word was God and and now the word has become flesh in Jesus. In Philippians 2, it tells us that Jesus will be exalted by God given the highest name, the name that is above all names, and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the name of Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. The book of Revelations, Revelation paints a picture to us of an eternity centered around the glory of Jesus. Jesus says, I was glorified on earth so that I would glorify you and now I'm going to be in glory for all of eternity, which is where I've always been. Jesus says in verse six, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. This is the ministry of Jesus summarized in a verse. He made the name of the Father known to the people that God gave to him, and they have kept the word of God. Jesus lives to show the word. He is the word, so he shows it very clearly. And then he teaches the word of God to those who would follow him. Then he says this in verse seven, now they know that everything you have given me is from you. Now they have come to understand that what I have, you're the one who gave it to me. And he says, for I've given them the words, verse eight, that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. This is Christianity. We receive God's word. We come to know in truth who Jesus is, that he came from God, and we believe God sent him. So God wants us to see his glory, and a part of God wanting us to see his glory is that God wants us to see that he sent Jesus. God wants us to see that Jesus came from God with a purpose. Jesus was God displaying the glory of God, and Jesus is the way to eternal life. And as we walk in that, as we live our life in that, I mean, that's really what we're doing. We're living to see the glory of God for all of eternity, experiencing eternal life. God wants us on this earth to be unified in living sin. God wants us as we are on this earth to be unified in living sin. Look at what Jesus prays, verse 9. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Notice how Jesus prays. He says, I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for your children. I'm praying for those whom you've given me. 
for they are yours. This is a pattern of how Jesus prays and tells us to pray. Not for the world, but for the children, for the workers of the harvest. He says that. The harvest is plentiful. Pray for workers of the harvest. I plead with you that in our prayer times, we would spend more time praying the way Jesus taught us to pray and praying that we would be the answer. Not just praying for our nation and praying for the problems of this world, which those are fine things to pray for, but praying patterned after the way Jesus prays and praying for us to be solutions. Praying for us to be workers. Praying for us to live sent. He says in verse 11, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus says, I'm leaving this earth. They are not. So keep them in your name. Protect them that they may be one even as we are one. As we talk about being unified in living scent, we see that he wants us to be one as he is one. God wants us to be one as he is one. God wants us to be unified. God wants us to have unity. But this is not arbitrary unity. This is not generic unity. When we think about the kind of unity we have, God has defined that unity for us. He wants us to be one the same way the Father and the Son are one. They have the same will. They have the same passion. It is the same things that they live for. He goes on in verse 12. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Jesus says, the only one who was lost was Judas, which was according to the scripture, which I have peace with. I have done what you have asked me to do, God. Verse 13, but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He says, I have kept them, but now I am going and I speak these things that I speak to them. If you look at the last teachings of Jesus, what he was saying before this, so that they would have joy. How could they have joy when Jesus was going to heaven? Well, God was going to send the Holy Spirit. God would still be with them even though the Son ascended to heaven. And this is very clear of what God wants for us as we are unified in living sins, is he sent as he wants us to find joy in him. He wants us to find joy in him. To live sent 
To live for God is to experience true joy. It's not antithetical to our happiness. It is where we find our happiness to live for God. That's what Jesus wants for us. He says, verse 14, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I have told them how to live and yet the world hates that. But they can have joy. Even though the world hates the way that they live, my prayer is that they would have joy. He goes on, verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus says, I want them to be in the world. That's your will, Father. I'm not asking that they come out of the world that hates the way that they live. I'm asking that they stay in the world that hates the way that they live, but I'm asking for you to protect them while they're in it. Verse 16, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. They're not the same. They're not living for the things of the world just as I was not living for the things of this world. Verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This is how they are set apart. This is how they grow. This is how they mature through the truth. And your word, God, your scripture is the truth that sets us apart. It's what grows us. It's what sanctifies us. And then he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. We are talking about living sent. Not because of James Ross. Not because of Church on Bayshore. Not because of our leaders here. Not because of Jason Dukes who wrote the book that inspired the curriculum we've been going through. We are talking about living sent because Jesus has sent us into the world. He's the one who said, I don't want them to come out of the world, but I want them to be protect, protected. They're not of the world as they live in the world. Grow them in the word and I send them into the world. And he says in verse 19, and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. When we talk about being unified and living sin, it is clear that God wants us to be in the world, but of him. God wants us to be in the world, but of him. That's living sin. Now, the temptation when we read this is to kind of remove ourselves from this and think about these disciples who seemingly have super spiritual powers, right? And Jesus is really praying this for them. 
And even some have said some of the teachings of Jesus, really, Jesus is just teaching the disciples, and it looks a lot different to be a Christian today. And that's an okay theory if it wasn't for verse 20. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. I'm not only praying this for these disciples who are with me now, but as they go and make disciples of all nations, James Ross will become a disciple. John Stokes will become a disciple. Jordan Renna will become a disciple. And I pray this for them as well, that they may be, may all be one, verse 21, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That we would be one just as the Father and Jesus are one so that the world would believe that God has sent Jesus. When it comes to the church, big C church, we should be one around this. Especially when it comes to a community where there are multiple local churches. We should be one around this. And even more so when it comes to this local body of believers, we should be one around this. That by our unity and by our love, the world would see and believe that God has sent Jesus. Today is what many would call Palm Sunday because the Catholic Church sets up a calendar, and so we traditionally celebrate Easter next Sunday because of that. And so the Sunday, you know, before the, the resurrection was Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus, you know, entered into Jerusalem and palm branches were waved and people shouted out, Hosanna, King is coming. But I can't read that passage without realizing what would happen to many of those who waved palm branches. When they realized that Jesus wasn't establishing an earthly kingdom, they no longer shouted out Hosanna. They no longer called him the king. And many are living for an earthly kingdom and not the eternal kingdom that Jesus was living for and Jesus has called us to live our lives for. Jesus goes on to say in verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love me even, love them, excuse me, even as you loved me. He says, I'm giving them glory so that they would be one, perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. 
God wants us to be glorified with him. As we're unified in living sin, it is clear that he wants us to be glorified with him. He says in verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. This is what he says we have in store as his children, as his followers, as his disciples is to see the glory of God in its fullness for all of eternity. That's why when Paul talks about sufferings in this world, he said they're not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. And Jesus prays, verse 25, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. That's what we confess as Christians. God has sent Jesus. God has sent Jesus so that we might have eternal life to the glory of God the Father. And God has left us on this earth and everything we do points to the fact that God has sent Jesus for the glory of God the Father. And so God wants us to live sent to show the world that he was sent. God wants us to live sent to show the world that Jesus was sent. Verse 26, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. If you've heard anything throughout all three months of us talking about all these passages of scripture and the threads of living sin and how we are to live sin, hear this. The love of God is what motivates us to live sent. The love of God is what motivates us to live sent. I'm not asking you to be live sent simply so that a church would grow. I'm not asking you to live sent because of guilt. Fill in whatever blank. The reason we live sent is because we love God. Because we know the love of God. The same love with which God has loved Jesus is in us, is the prayer of Jesus. And that should be interwoven into the fabric of everything we do. This is not just about a series. This is about what we do as a church and who we are as a church. Our mission or vision statement or whatever, the thing we say a lot, is to do whatever it takes to lead people to believe in Jesus, belong to God's family, and become who has created them to be. 
because God sent Jesus. We can't believe for righteousness without Jesus. We don't belong without Jesus, and we don't become apart from Jesus. And so then we want to do whatever it takes so that people would know that Jesus has come, that they could believe and belong and become. Our five essentials of discipleship, which are just five things that we say, hey, believers should be doing these things. And the more we do these things, the healthier we'll be, and the more we'll impact the world for Christ. Our worship, because we should join together in corporate worship because we live lives of worship. Growth, growing, because we should come together in biblical community around the word because we want to grow and be sanctified in the truth, which the word is truth. We serve because the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And so we want to give ourselves to that end so that his name would be known. We give because a part of what the Bible tells us that we do when we are people with hearts for God is we give to God. Specifically, we give to areas where we know, hey, they don't have the abundance that we have. And we reach, we live sent, because God has sent Jesus for us, and we want everyone to know that God has sent Jesus for them. This is a part of how we live our lives. Somebody came to me after service. They didn't intend to give me material for my sermon in this service, but they said, They've realized that they don't necessarily have to do a lot differently. They just have to think differently in everything that they do. That's what living sin is about. It's thinking about the fact that God has sent Jesus into the world in everything that we do. I think God has been at work in the life of this church for 111 years in some capacity doing this, and he's certainly at work right now. I want you to see a quick video of just a few people in our church and how God is using them as they live sent. Let's play that video. I am living sent by being committed to staying in the word and listening to the Holy Spirit so that I can be ready for any opportunities that come to share the gospel. I live sent each day as I share Christ with the 26 kids ages kindergarten through high school on my school bus. I'm living sent by always looking for opportunities to share the gospel with my friends and family and those that I uh, see throughout the day. I'm living sent by being intentional about meeting every week with two good friends of mine who do not know Jesus yet. I am living sent by loving all my patients each day and praying for my patients, but not just praying for them, but praying with them right then and there. I'm living sent by meeting needs in our neighborhood. I have been living sent by intentionally building a relationship with one of our Niceville city workers and inviting him to our church. I want to live sent by volunteering in my community so that I can develop relationships to share the gospel. Oh, I'm living sent by having the privilege of being able to share the gospel in the uh, juvenile lockups in uh, Defuniac Springs and in Crestview. I am living sent by studying the word with a seeking friend. I'm living sent by meeting people where they are and loving them through gospel conversations to show Christ's love. As a physician, I'm also leave sent for all my patients when I tell them that 
it's more important to save the, uh, their soul than saving their, their life because they're going on eternity. I'm living sent by seeking out one-on-one -on -one time with coworkers and sharing the gospel. Because I'm living sent, more women in my neighborhood are growing in God's word through Bible study. Because someone lives sent, my family joined church on Bayshore. Praise God for the obedience of those who we saw in this video. And I know this is just scratching the surface of those in this room and watching online this morning who believe that God can and is using them in the lives of other people. And this is how we live our lives. Because God has sent Jesus. And if we're following Jesus, he has sent us in this world so that people would know that they can have eternal life to the glory of God the Father. If you're here, and this doesn't motivate you, or you're not motivated to live sin, perhaps it's because you've never experienced the love of God. Maybe you've been going to church 30, 40, 50 years. Maybe you've done a lot of good deeds. Maybe you've given money. You've, you've checked off lots of boxes. But the reality is you're not motivated the way we're talking. What I would encourage you to do is to reach out to me. Pastor Justin, Pastor Michael, your life group leader, Lucas or Alec, our children and student ministers, student ministers, somebody, and start talking. Start talking about your struggle, your questions, your issues. It might be more than one conversation. It might be multiple conversations, but I am committed. We are committed to helping you understand how much God loves you. For us who are Christians, let's get to work. Maybe you've been making excuses for 30 years, waiting for the right time. And God is saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And we need to say, here am I, send me. Our hand, one hand's on the plow looking forward and we're looking back and it's time to look forward and be a worker of the harvest. You've been a part of churches that do missions. This church has done missions. It's time to be a church that is on mission. It's time to settle, stop settling for tent living, focused on the material things of this world and to realize we are created for the kingdom of God and we are called to be ambassadors who seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be added to us as we do. We've avoided the world and it's time to be a friend of tax collectors and sinners. It's time to leave the 99 who think they don't need God's grace and spend time with that one who knows they need grace. It is time to preach the gospel so that people will hear and they will believe and they will call on the name of the Lord. Because Jesus was the answer to the prayer that we didn't even fully know to pray. So let's be the answer 
to his prayer. God, may you be glorified as we are the answer to your prayer in John 17. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.